Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. I've got a really good one for you tonight. I'm holding in my hand a book called My Myth, and it's by Troy Black. And he's not only an author, but he's also a, uh, I guess, what would you say, um, a publisher. He's, he's got his own publishing company, him and his wife. And um, I'll let him tell you a little bit about that as we uh, get going here. But first of all, Troy is going to uh, tell us about his testimony. Oh, I also want to say my wife is on for the first time helping me tonight and she's got some of the questions she'll be asking and uh so i'm really excited about that so welcome julie hello everybody and troy how are you tonight doing well hope y'all are doing good all right well troy let's start off with your testimony and and uh we'll sit back and listen all right sounds great um, I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, I'm definitely humbled to be able to speak to you all tonight. Um, any chance I get this, the, or the opportunity to tell my testimony, I'm definitely reminded of what God has done for me and what he has brought me through. And so um, I guess I just want to start with um, by saying that, uh, um, that I, I've written this testimony out in my book um, but the main reason that I wrote it out wasn't necessarily because I felt like it was um, the most, you know, extraordinary testimony or the most powerful story or anything like that. It really was simply because God, I felt like God was just leading me to write it into a book form. Um, and so it really starts when I was a kid. And when I was young, um, I grew up in a Christian home. And my parents always took us to church. They always read the Bible to us and prayed with us and talked about God. Um, and so I was definitely always surrounded by Christianity. And I was always surrounded by the gospel, um, especially. But there was something about my childhood. Um, my parents always wanted us to do our very best. And so they always encouraged us. And they always pushed us. And part of that um, kind of over the years turned into a, sort of a self-righteousness inside of me. And so growing up, I definitely developed this strong sense that I was somehow, um, I was somehow pleasing God, but not necessarily just pleasing, but I was also impressing him. And that because of who I was and what I was doing, even from a young age, I felt like I was going to be blessed by God. And I felt like he was going to, he was going to show me extra favor because of, simply because of who I was. And, and I didn't understand that grace was something that you can't earn. Grace isn't something. I had heard about grace, and I had heard, about, I had heard of the gospel. But I, I thought the whole time that I heard about it, I thought that it was something that I had to earn, and it was something that I had earned. And what God was going to show me later on was that the plan that I had in mind, because I felt like I had his favor, that he was going to have good plans for me, wasn't necessarily the plan that he had for me. Um, and I began to see that at a young age when, uh, when my mother um, 
had a stillborn baby um, when I was uh, a preteen still. And the night that uh, we went to the hospital to see my younger brother, um, I, I kept praying and asking God, you know, if, if all these things in his word about people, you know, being raised from the dead or people being healed are true, then couldn't he raise my little brother from the dead? Couldn't he make it to where the doctors had been wrong and that he came out alive? And so I'm, I'm, I basically begged God and, and I bargained with him and pleaded with him saying, God, if you will help my little brother to be alive and not to be dead, then I'll give my life to you and I will live for your kingdom and not for me, you know, and, and so I made this bargain with God, thinking that that's what God wanted from me, um, and my little brother did end up dying, and he was stillborn, and because of that occurrence, I felt like God had let me down, and I, it, because of those feelings of you know, just being disappointed in God. I felt like he had not held up his end of the deal, and now I didn't have to hold up my end of the, end of the deal either. And so through high school, I definitely kind of fell away from God a little bit. Um, not that I was necessarily ever um, believing him like, I w- like he expects us to, but, um, but I, I stopped praying as often. I stopped reading the Bible. I stopped you know, singing songs to God, and it's, um, I definitely began to see a change inside of me, but I especially saw a very definite change um, uh, the first time that I got my heart broken in high school. Um, there was uh, one girl that I especially liked and um, had a huge crush on, and um, because she ended up rejecting me, I felt like that God had messed up his plan for my life because I still felt like I was going to have that favor that I had earned his favor. And because all of a sudden things weren't working out the way I wanted them to, I felt like uh, his plans had failed and that he had failed me. And so um, I took that, that rejection and that depression from high school into college. And um, because of it, I began to justify not, living for God, not only not living for God, but living however I wanted to live. And um, growing up, we had a lot of rules in our house. We had a lot of, um, you know, we had an early bedtime. We had to finish our chores. We had to do our homework. We had to get, uh, um, they encouraged us to get good grades. We had all these things. We had to eat healthy. And so we had all these restrictions, which were good. And now looking back, you know, I, I definitely can see that they were good, but as soon as I got out of high school I, and I was able to go to college out of state, all of a sudden those restrictions were gone. And so in my naivety, I assumed that I was suddenly free to do whatever I wanted to do. And there is a freedom that we can experience in Christ, but that is not the freedom that I was experiencing. And the freedom that I was experiencing um, with a freedom that says that there are no consequences for your actions because what God has put in his word is not really true. And I was believing that God wasn't really serious about everything he put in his word simply because I felt like God had let me down earlier in my life. And so 
as I uh, <clears throat> as I went through my first year of college, I began to get into a lot of things that, for one thing, my parents would never have let me get into, but also things that I had never thought that I could possibly get into. Um, some of those things were just, you know, watching movies I shouldn't be watching, watching TV shows uh, that I shouldn't be watching, things that, things that some of us seem like not such a big deal, especially at first. But the problem with getting into things like that is, especially when you're not walking with the Lord, is you begin to, it's a downward slope. So your interest is peaked because if you're walking in the flesh, you're always going to want more of what the flesh desires. And so, and that's what I did. I kept getting more and more into things. Um, my speech changed. I began to uh, develop a, a cussing habit. And it was, all, it was just a bunch of things that, um, that slowly began to show me who I was. And growing up, I never could see my need for salvation, my need for grace, because all I could see were my good works and all I could see was my devotion to the Lord. And I felt like because of that, I had no need for grace. I had no need for salvation. And as I began to get into things in college, I began, you know, I began to realize, not necessarily that I needed salvation or grace, but I began to realize that I wasn't as good of a person as I thought I was. And then one night... I started to look at porn. And at first I thought to myself, you know, okay. So I messed up. I, I, I looked at pornography. Um, you know, it's not like nobody else has ever done this. Um, and I, I tried to justify it to myself um, because I, I still wanted to see myself as just in my own eyes. But the problem was it wasn't just one night. It became a... Uh, a repeated occurrence, and then it turned into a habit. And so, as I went through my first year of college, I kept going back to that computer screen to look at those websites and to um, stimulate myself through the use of pornography. And and I began to try to remove the thought that this is who I am by staying up late, by doing things that would cause me to be emotionally uh, blank. So I wouldn't have to think about it. So I would just let myself get tired throughout the week, you know, three or four hours of sleep a night. I would... Uh, I would just, my eating habits went crazy. I was just eating terrible food to make myself feel better, things that would comfort me so I didn't have to think about where I was and what I was doing. But, but I found that the more that I did this, the worse the issue got because all of a sudden I had, not only did I have no control uh, from, the, as, uh, from the spiritual side of things, but now I had no control from the physical side of things either. And so... I finally got to the point where one day I realized exactly who I was. And it was something that I had never realized growing up. I never realized that I needed someone to save me. I never realized that I was not a good person, that I was, in fact, a bad person. And it's not like me getting to college and getting into stuff I shouldn't have gotten into was turning me into a bad person. It's simply showed me who I already was. 
And so one day I decided that because I had this fear that God was going to punish me now for who I was, who who I had become, I decided I was going to take my last effort in in trying to seek the Lord and trying to to ask him for um, strength to stop. And so I got down on my knees in my college dorm room and I asked God to give me the strength to stop looking at pornography. And that was the day that I was set free from that addiction. And now at the time, I thought to myself, that was all I could ask for. That was all I had. That was the only thing I believed that I was justified in asking for. And it wasn't the case. It wasn't true. But the reason that I I believe that was the only thing I could ask for was because I did not see myself as righteous before God. And it's because I did not understand His grace and His mercy. And so later on, I realized I should have asked for a whole lot more. But God was still going to draw me in that direction, obviously. And so over the next year and over the next semester, I um, I began to get really depressed. Because I, I was no longer involving myself in the things that I knew were wrong. And I, and I had stopped, not only had I stopped looking at pornography, I had stopped watching movies that I knew I shouldn't watch. I had stopped watching anything that had, um, you know, sexually explicit stuff in it, anything that had, like, uh, bad cursing in it or anything that had, like, extreme, extreme violence or anything like that, anything that I felt like was heading in the wrong direction, I stopped, I had cut myself off from because I was trying to somehow make up for the wrong I had done. I was somehow trying to bring myself back and to, in a sense, wash myself clean. And I couldn't do it. And so the more I did that, the worse I felt and the more depressed I got. And for over an entire semester, I was in a very deep depression. Um, I could hardly sleep at all. And I felt like I was never going to get out of it. And I remember one night specifically, I was walking across the campus, and, and it was a clear night, and there were stars just across the entire sky. And I looked up, and I realized just how small I was and how little I mattered or I needed to matter to God, that, that out of everything in his universe, I was one person, and if he wanted to destroy me, and forget about me, he could, and he would be righteous in doing so. And it scared me. I was so scared that I had lost the, the favor of God, and I had lost his plan for my life, and I had ruined everything. And I was so scared that it was going to take me my entire life to work up back to it, and, that, and I, knew, I knew myself. You know, I knew my weaknesses. I knew I wouldn't be able to do it. I knew there was no way I was ever going to be able to live up to the standard of righteousness that God had for me. And so I kind of continued on in that thought process until one day when I feel like God really got a hold of me. And uh, it happened when I I was out at the lake with some friends, and um, for some reason, I don't remember why, but for some reason I had begged the owner of the car to, to let me drive. I had said, I really want to drive. I, I don't know why I thought that, but I'm thinking about it later. I realized it was probably the Holy Spirit prompting me <laughs> because, um, because I got in the car and we began to drive. And a few miles later, 
I, uh, I fishtailed off the road, and we went over a little hill, and then we began to tumble down the side of this hill. Um, and we spun several times down the hill uh, in an SUV. And uh, the worst part about it was that there were seven people in the car, and the car only seated, I believe, five people. And two people were in the back, in the trunk area, without seatbelts on. Um, and so I just remember later on, uh, when, we, when I talked about it with the other people that were in, in the wreck, everyone else said um, that they, they, they blacked out. And I was the only person who did not black out, but I was, I was conscious the whole time. And I remember the only thing I could think was, while the car was spinning and I could see the ground and then I could see the sky, was, well, this is it. And I remember thinking, I'm coming home, Jesus. And, and I know that at that moment, I know he was saying, no, it's not time for you to come home because I have a plan for you. I have something that I have in store for you to do, and it's not time for you to come home. And miraculously, the car landed upright, and not a single person was injured severely and there were literally only minor cuts and bruises. And all seven of us walked away from that wreck, even though the car was completely totaled and looked, and the front uh, roof was completely um, destroyed and smashed in. And it just looked like it had been, you know, uh, driven over by like, a, by like a monster truck or something like that. It was just like, to me, I could not believe that we all walked away from it. And I know that it was the Lord protecting us. And after that, I began to, to I, this, this belief started inside of me that I was here for a reason. I, I wasn't here for no reason at all. There was something that God wanted me to do. And it's the only reason why he kept me around. And, and so I began to seek the Lord. And I began to read in the Bible about the plans of the Lord and his promises and what he has in store for those who believe in him. And over the next few months, I began to read and I began to seek him. And it was all because I began to believe that if I started to seek the Lord, that he would do something. And I, I, I began to read verses and, and memorize verses like Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. And it says, sorry, I think, I think it's actually Jeremiah 29. Uh, well, it's in Jeremiah 29. It's, even, it's either 11 or 13, but it says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so I got before the Lord and I would lay just prostrate on my face for you know, 30 minutes at a time every night. And I believed that if I sought him, that he would do something. And that was all the faith I had. All the faith I had was I just 
all I have is I can seek the Lord, and that's all I know to do. And so I began to seek him night after night after night after night. And I still inside of me believed that maybe God was going to show me a way to be a better person, or maybe God was going to, he was going to help me to somehow, you know, start to redeem myself, and it was still going to take a long time. Or I, I thought maybe he was going to, you know, he was going to start discipling me, and I was going to start learning the Bible, and then I was going to start to slowly, you know, turn into a person who could please him, or something like that. And But as I, as I was laying there one night, seeking the Lord, he did something I didn't expect. Because as I, was, as I was laying there, I was suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit, and I remember the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And, and I thought the whole time I was thinking, if God could say something to me, I know what he would say. He would tell me what I have done wrong, and he would remind me of my failures, and he would remind me of how low I have fallen. And that's what I thought. But he began to speak to me, and he began to tell me how much he loved me. And he reminded me of the verses like Romans 5, 8, that says, that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I couldn't believe the words that he was saying. I couldn't believe that a perfect God who had never sinned, had never messed up, and who had done so much for his people could love somebody like me who was a mess up, who was a failure. And, and, and it's, that's the exact reason why I hadn't gotten it at that, to that point, to that day. I had never gotten it. Even though I had heard it growing up, I had heard the gospel, I had heard about grace, I had heard about God's love, and I had never got it. And the reason was because I could not believe that a perfect God could love somebody like me. And I, I, I didn't believe that he could love like somebody like a sinner that I saw somewhere else. And once I became the person that I saw as a sinner, I believed suddenly he couldn't love me anymore either. And the truth is that God loves everyone despite the sin that we have committed. He loved the world so much that he sent his only son to die for us. His son who was perfect to take our place. And so, after that, I began to seek the Lord because I realized his promises are true. What he says in his word is completely true. And I began to read the word of God from a different perspective. First off, because now I believed that the word was completely true. I believed it. I knew it. And the second reason that I began to read from a different perspective was because the Holy Spirit had filled me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and now it wasn't me reading the words and trying to understand them. It was the Holy Spirit walking with me and helping me to understand them. And... I just want to speak a little bit to those who feel like they're trapped. And I want to talk a little bit about pornography, but I also want to talk a little bit about addictions in general. Because I believe there's a lot of people today, especially, that are feel like they're trapped in sin. 
trapped in an addiction, trapped in pornography, or trapped in something like that. And I say trapped because I'm talking about a, a sin that is, is emotionally and physically and spiritually overwhelming. I'm talking about something that you feel, you feel like it's so strong that you cannot get out of it no matter what. And that's how I felt when, when I was addicted to pornography. I felt like there's no way out can't get out of it. And the only way I was able to get out was by the power of Jesus Christ working in my life. But if, if you're inside of an addiction today, you know, I feel like God wants me to tell you that if you have not told anybody about it, if you have not confessed it to somebody else who you trust and who you know is a believer, you need to confess the sin. You need to speak it out loud. And if you have not confessed it to the Lord, if you know that he knows it, he knows the sin. He knows if, if you've been looking at pornography. He knows you've been looking at if you've been involved in some other sort of sexual sin or any other sort of addiction or sin. He knows what you've been involved in. But if you have not confessed it to him, then you have not begun to repent of it. And you have to confess it before the Lord and repent of it and ask for him to change you. And he can and he will. I did, I, I did not believe that he had the power to change me because I felt like it was impossibility. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. He has the power to change you and he has the power to set you free. But you have to begin to believe that. And there's another side of the coin when it comes to addictions. And I believe that sometimes it's not just a physical issue, an addiction. It's also a spiritual issue. And until we acknowledge that it's, an, it's also a spiritual issue, then I don't think we're going to be able to be set free from it. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, and when he saves you, the Bible says that you're a new creation in him. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And it's not just saying this, you know, to sound good. It, it's true. When you really are abiding in Christ, when you, when you really are set free through his blood, you're a new creation. It's because it's no longer you who are living on your own, but it's him who is living inside of you. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Troy, I like what you were saying about, you know, if they have something they have not confessed to anybody else or have not confessed to God about, uh, you know, doing that, what else do they need to do to get themselves set free from, you know, from this sin or, or you know, from pornography or, or whatever the addiction is? I mean, <laughs> alcohol, I mean, it's all addictions, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's what? two... Um, I mean, I feel like the first thing, before you do anything else, before you try to do anything on your own, you have to give it to the Lord, and you have to begin to believe that he can set you free from it. And it's not just, it's not just um, see, what I was doing when I was depressed my sophomore year was I was, I was trying to get myself as far away from it as I possibly could, and, I, and it kept trying to draw me back. 
And so I felt like it was, was going to be a lifelong struggle. And if, if you feel like you have quit an addiction or you feel like you're trying to, but it feels like a lifelong struggle, that's not the way that God set it up. It's not the way it's meant to be. That means that that addiction still has a, it still has a spiritual stronghold in your life. And once Jesus Christ sets you free from that, that stronghold is going to be broken and you're going to have victory over it every day. I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect or that you're never going to sin again, but I'm, going to say, I'm saying that you're, you're going to have victory in your life. It's not going to be an eternal struggle. But the only way to get to that point is to be abiding in Christ. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Meaning, if we're abiding in him, then he is going to be abiding in us, and he's going to give us the victory and the power to be able to do that. I think so many of us are trying to do it on our own. We're trying to break these addictions. We're trying to follow, you know, a a set of rules or steps or something like that to break them. And, yeah, it's possible to stop doing something, but if you really want to have victory, you have to have the power of Jesus Christ working in your life, especially if it's a spiritual issue. And I believe that many addictions are are a spiritual issue, um, you know, especially things that are very uh, common. But, yeah, that, I would definitely say that's the first thing. I would say the second thing is pray and ask God what you need to get rid of, you know, what you need to remove from yourself. I mean, if, if you feel like, I don't know, if you feel like your iPhone is always a temptation to you to, to look at something, get rid of your iPhone. Get rid of it. Don't, don't put it, you know, don't leave it in your hand. Leave it in your pocket or leave it in front of your face. Get rid of it. Because if it's always going to be a temptation, then it's not worth keeping around. Because it's keeping, it, it, is, it is keeping a wallet between you and God, you and your Savior. And if there's something else in your life that you feel like is, uh, or even people, you know, if there's a, set, a group of people you hang out with that lead you in that direction, you might have to tell them, I'm sorry, I can't hang out with you anymore because you are leading me to this temptation. Now, I don't know if I would say that directly to their face, but you, you have to, to bring that to God and ask him, is there something that I need to get rid of in order to to follow you and to stop following this other thing? Well, I believe nowadays even just the the cable TV. I mean, there's so much so much oh, yeah. uh, junk on there that it, it, you yeah. know you might as well just shut it down. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. because you you can't pick and choose what you see. They they're going to put it in front of you. It's true. I mean, even even when you get on the on the internet, you know, stuff flashes up all of a sudden on the screen in front of you that you don't need to be seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm online and I see something on a website, you know, like an ad or something that's inappropriate or something like that, I don't go back to that website. I don't care what else is on there. You know, if they're going to be if they're going to be advertising bad stuff on there, I'm not going back to it. Because, I mean, it's, it's what you put in front of your eyes. It's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to go after. And we need to be putting the Word of God in front of our eyes. We need to be putting, you know, uh, we need to be putting things that lead us into the Lord in front of us so that we will go after Him instead of going after those other things. Yeah. Well, Julie, do you have yeah, any... Uh... I, I have something as far as... Uh... I just want to reiterate and go back to his book. Um, This interview was exceptional. I believe he said a lot to encourage 
men and women that need to hear this, but I want to bring back up the book because I read it, and it's called My Mess by Troy Black. You can buy it on Amazon. And uh-huh. uh, get a copy because there's such, uh, especially the second half of the book, Troy goes into a lot of teaching, simplified enough to where maybe you understand it right now or you don't understand it, but you need to, like you said, get it back in front of your eyes. This will help be a, a guide to uh, get set free. And, of course, uh, teach you maybe things that um, uh, he might not even talk about tonight or he might have talked about and just a little bit more and more of it. Uh, So I just wanted to basically bring that back up again, that um, his book, and uh, that's just a great resource for this generation to be able to read that are struggling with any of the problems that he mentioned tonight or other problems that he didn't mention. One of them he didn't mention was uh, a a case of um, loneliness. That that was one. Um, He did mention depression. They probably kind of go together. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, that's basically all I want. I wanted to say that I've really enjoyed what I've heard. Um, one thing that kind of cracked me up when you were talking about what you put in front of your eyes is I hear this slogan in the same, where the mind goes, the body follows. Uh-huh. And that, that says it all with what you just said, what you put in front of your eyes. And uh, if, if it's a temptation, you're so, you're so correct and, in that it would better not to tempt yourself and uh, to avoid mm-hmm. things that do tempt you. That's all I wanted to say. Well, I want to say that I know there's a lot of youth groups and college groups and stuff like that that, that really need to hear you speak and, uh, and need to read your book. If they needed to get a hold of you and, uh, you know, to set up, you know, for you to come speak or anything like that, how would they do that? Well, the best way to get a hold of me is to go to inspirechristianbooks.com and you can just search for Inspired Christian Books or search for uh, Troy Black um, and then go to the contact page on that website and that contact email goes directly to me and I usually respond or try to respond as quickly as I can. Um, so if anyone, yeah, is looking to get a hold of me for... Uh, a uh, speaking engagement or any other any other questions really I mean we definitely um, encourage any comments or questions or anything like that so feel free to contact us for any reason um, and if I don't respond then uh, then probably my wife will respond so okay and we also you know look forward to uh, we'll be interviewing you in the future you you've already got another book you've come out with it's uh, a a uh, it's fiction, but if, if you want to tell us a little sneak preview about it, um, we'll, we'll interview you on another day. Okay, yeah, I'll give you a really quick uh, preview about it. Um, the other book that I've come out with is called Jacob and Sylvia, and it is actually a fiction book. And so 
Um, I would say it's kind of a cross between um, Alice in Wonderland and the Chronicles of Narnia, um, simply because it does have a, a uh, definitely has a fantasy side to it. Um, but really, uh, Jacob and Sylvia is, is a book that is very close to my heart because uh, in the second half of My Mess, um, I, I definitely deal with a lot of, of loneliness and a, and a long struggle of, of uh, physical ailment, um, depression, and loneliness. And, uh, and, and Jacob and Sylvia was something that God, uh, that I felt like I was inspired by God to write during that time. Um, and it's something that, uh, to me, it's just, it's just a very simple uh, picture and reminder of grace and of the sacrifice that God made to save his children. All right. Well, it's, you know, I look forward to hearing about that on another day. Um, would you mind praying for, you know, all the people that are listening, especially the ones that, that are struggling with different addictions? And, uh, uh, you know, if you'll say a prayer over them and we'll say good night and we'll talk to you on another evening. All right, sounds great, Todd. Dear Lord, I just ask tonight that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that whatever was said tonight, that if it was from me uh, or from us, that nobody would remember it, but if it was from you, that they would remember it and that you would continue to speak to them through your word, Lord, and through your Holy Spirit. And I ask that if there's anybody listening who has not been filled with your Holy Spirit or who has not experienced a personal relationship with your son Jesus, that you would do that tonight, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that those who are listening who don't know you on a personal level, Lord, that they would give their life to you and that they would begin speaking tonight, Lord, that they would begin that process right now. And I ask that if there's anyone who's listening that is struggling with an addiction, pornography, or alcoholism or anything else or greed or anything like that, Father. I ask that you would break those addictions right now in the name of Jesus. And I, can, I speak to those addictions and tell you to go in Jesus' name. You don't have any more power over anyone, any of our lives in the name of Jesus. You have no more power because we have been given authority by Jesus Christ to trample on snakes and scorpions and over every power of the enemy. You said that nothing by any means shall harm us. And you're speaking about the believers, those who believe in your son Jesus. And I ask that whatever is, is causing any of us to not believe what your word says, Lord, that you would remove that, Lord, that you would open our eyes spiritually and that you would help us to understand that your love is everlasting, Lord, and that you love us despite anything that we have done and that you sent your son to pay the ultimate price for our sins, Lord, and that it doesn't matter where we are, we can accept your grace right now, tonight, that we can be set free, that we get to be righteous before you because of the blood of Jesus which covers us and makes us white as snow, Lord. And I ask that whatever, whatever you have in, in store for us, Lord, in the future, God, that you would show us what that is, that you would begin to lead us in that direction, and that you would make us witnesses, Lord, so that not only can we be set free, but that we can tell others of the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ and also of the testimony that you've given us each, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that 
you would just continue to be with us and that you would just continue to speak to us, Lord. And I thank you so much for this evening and so much for this opportunity opportunity that you have given us. And we just give you all the honor and all the glory, Lord. And we thank you. We can't do anything apart from you, Lord Jesus. And we just praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, Troy, I I thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, we really look forward to doing another interview another night. And Julie, I thank you for being on too. No problem. And, uh, All right. Thank you. Is there you anything so much else? For me. All right. Well, that will be a wrap up. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a good night.